tonight we're going to be continuing in our series in the book of James. Um, but first, I want, to, I want to tell you a bit of a story that involves my mum. Um, and it's to do with when I was getting my driver's licence. I'm sure if you are a parent in some way or if you are <laughs> have gone through the process of getting your learner's licence, you can kind of relate to this. Um, it can be a bit of a tricky time. I think it tests relationships. I know it tested um, mine and my mum's relationship. There was a lot of break and I am and don't go that way, go this way. But that's okay. We, we got through it and I can happily say that I am very, very much on my opens now. So... <laughs> We've gone past that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but the first time I drove a car, I'd just gotten my license. And you know that really exciting time. You're like, oh, I want to drive home from the um, Department of Transport. Um, and my mum's car, and that's the car that I was driving at the time, it was like a little um, RAV4. It was a little automatic RAV4. And there's what I realised is there's doing the test, as in the, the written test that you have to do to get your learner's license, and then there's actually driving. Like, <laughs> very different. <laughs> so, I remember one, one of my first memories, and I'm pretty sure it was on the way home, I got to a T intersection. For those of you who don't know what a T intersection is, <laughs> I don't know if I can explain it. <laughs> and this, this road here, at the T intersection, they've got right of way. They can keep going, but this one, if they want to turn on this way or if they want to turn this way, they have to stop. What I, I, was, I was on this straight road and I came up to this T intersection and there was a car wanting to cross in front of me and, and go into the, the T and then there was someone coming the other way and I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just sat there and mum's going, go, like, don't stop. And I'm like, but there's cars. There's cars coming this way and there's cars coming that way. And I was just stopped in the middle of the road. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and I passed my test, my learner's test. I had every right to have my learner's license, but I still found that very difficult. And then the other story is the first time I drove a manual car with a driving instructor. Now, that's a whole nother ball game, right? Automatic to manual. You've now got a third, um, what do you call it, pedal to, to have to... <laughs> I have my licence. We've got, I've got a third pedal that you have to try and work out. So I didn't understand that you could push the brake and the clutch at the same time. So I'm there trying to stop, going brake on, brake off, change gear down, brake on again. So we're trying to stop and going like this. Because I didn't realise you could, because I know you can't accelerate and clutch at the same time, because that just makes it go, you know, big revs. Um, and it can break the car. <laughs> but braking and clutching is okay, I have learned. Um, Luckily, I was in a driving instructor car. They had control also of the pedals. So <laughs> we were all safe. But that is my experience, my early experience of my learner's license. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is this idea of 
Can you imagine if we all were content in staying on our learner's license? Imagine what the road would be like if we're all still as, as bad <laughs> a driver as we were when we were on our learners, if we were still learning. Um, there is the, the goal of a learner's license is to then progress. It's to get your P's, your red P's, and then your green P's, and then your opens license, and then not get any fines ever, and, and just be the best driver in the world. We want to grow up in our knowledge of how to drive a car. And the same thing goes in our relationship with God. We are not meant to stay in a spiritual infancy, in a, in a we're always learners, but in a, in a learning stage, we, God calls us to grow up in our faith, to become spiritually mature, to continue to be formed into the image of God. And that is what James is concerned about in his letter, and that is what we're going to be speaking of tonight. So at, our, at the moment, in our night service, we are going through uh, a series in the book of James, and one of the central themes of James's writing is, is to do with faith that works. How does faith work itself out in a Christian's life? James has a desire to see Christians who are mature in their faith, who are not stuck in infancy or with a big L plate on them. So he, he, he raises the question, how do we move from infancy to spiritual maturity, which in turn is actually going to equip us to, to stand firm through trials and, and um, temptations and, and all the things that life throws at us, which is what Dave spoke about in our, a couple of weeks ago in the first session of this series. So through a couple of these verses that we're about to read, he, James does answer this question. And I want to encourage you now to open up your Bibles if you have them here, um, or get it up on your phone if you've got it, uh, got it on your phone. We're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. And while we read this, it is going to be on the screen, but I, I do want to encourage you to get it up because tonight we're going to be going through different sections of the passage and it'll be helpful for you if you can follow along with us as we go through. So James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight in your word, Lord, we just pray for hearts that are open to receive. Lord, we want to be ready to, um, yeah, to hear what you have to say to us tonight, Lord. Father, I pray for any barriers that, that might be in the way. Um, Lord, would you get rid of them now? Would you help us to surrender those to you? And yeah, Lord, just give us a, a spirit that is attentive to, to you and your spirit, Lord. Yeah, help us tonight. In your name, amen. Amen. So as we've said, James has a desire to guard us against becoming stuck in infancy. And, and his answer to this, his, this issue is this. Spiritual maturity is developed through a fruitful relationship with God's word. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual maturity is developed through a fruitful relationship with God's word. And James here gives us three stages in developing this fruitful relationship with God's word. And we're going to talk about each of these three stages now. So the first stage we find in verses 19 and 20. And it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We see just before uh, James writes this in verse 18, that God chose to give us birth, a new birth, through the word of truth. Then immediately, James says, everyone needs to be quick to listen. So James's first step to building this fruitful relationship with God's word is by listening to it. Hearing the gospel, the word of God, is what triggered our response to it and our new birth in the first place. So now James is urging us to continue to listen to the word so that we can move from new birth to new life, so that we can develop our spiritual maturity, and so we can be guarded against being stuck in infancy. James is saying, Brothers and sisters, do not stop listening to the word of truth that gave you your new birth. But not just that. He says, be quick to listen to it. We should have an eagerness, eagerness to hear the life-giving word. But there is a big difference, right, between reading and listening. Between reading the word and listening to the word. So I don't know if you guys are readers as such. I'm sure we've got some people here tonight who love reading and some who probably despise it. Um, and that's okay. We're all on, a, I guess, a journey. Um, I'm, one of the, I'm in the middle, I think. I go through stages where sometimes I really love reading and I get into a really good book. And it happened, the last time it happened was probably end of last year. I got into this book and I was obsessed with it. Like, I read it in three days and that just doesn't happen um, from morning to night. But what I find is often when I'm reading, even when I enjoy the book, I'll, I'll be reading along and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I just read. So I have to go back, you know, a couple of paragraphs or however long that I've spent reading but not actually reading it. And I go back and I read it again. And sometimes I get distracted again. I'm like, oh, I, I've, I've, I didn't listen again. 
And, and this happens to me a lot, and I think this is why I struggle to read, because I get to a point where I'm just repeating, repeating, repeating. And the thing is, I, I'm reading what's written there. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually reading the words, and somewhat must be taking them in, but I'm not paying attention to it. I don't, I don't have any, I don't have a, an attentive spirit to what I'm reading. And if I was to read my whole book this way, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't remember the book. There'd be no use in me reading if this is how I was to come to my books and, and just forget them. So reading the word without an attentive spirit achieves no more than moving the bookmark forward in your Bible. This is why James, who is so practical, does not start talking about outlines or structures or daily Bible reading plans because James understands that there is little to no point in those things if we don't first have an attentive spirit to the word. However, if we can develop this attentive spirit, then, then this spirit will spur us on to create different uh, structures and patterns and Bible reading plans and things like that in which our spirit will find itself satisfied in hearing the word of God. But that's what comes second. The attentive spirit needs to come first. And this verse is so practical for our relationships as well. And for those of us who, who when we read this verse, thought, oh, I didn't realise this verse was actually speaking in regards to listening to the word. I thought it was instructions for everyday life, um, practices and, and how to do relationships and things like that. And if that was you, you're not alone. That's okay. Because James purposely structures it like that, right? James does this purposely because he knows that if we do not have an attentive ear in the ordinary, everyday circumstances of our life, then we will not have an attentive ear when we shut the door and we open our Bibles. So, if we want to develop and cultivate attentive spirits when it comes to hearing the Word of God, then we must also develop and cultivate this spirit in our everyday lives and relationships with other people. They don't, they can't be segregated, they come hand in hand. And this will benefit us when we turn our minds to God we have to use the relationships and the situation of, of the marketplace of life, if you will, as the training ground for readiness to hear, a control of speech, speech, a caution of anger. The great talker is rarely a great listener. And never is our ears more closed than when we are angry. If we can capture these practices in our everyday lives to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, if we can develop them in our relationships in our everyday lives, then we will become great hearers and listeners of the word. We will grow up in our faith and develop and start to develop this spiritual maturity. So the first step that James talks about to de developing a fruitful relationship with God's word is to hear it. We have to listen to it, we have to hear it. This then leads us to the next stage of developing a more fruitful relationship with God's word. And we can see that in verse 21. 
James says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. James is now calling us not only to hear the word and to listen to it, but to accept it and receive it. So what's the difference between these two things? Well, when someone comes up to me, which doesn't happen super often, but when someone comes up to me and says, hey, Ash, would you like a chocolate? I could say, well, I've, I've heard them, haven't I? I I've heard them. I've, I've understood the message that they have given to me. Would you like a chocolate? But I, don't, I still don't have that chocolate on my hand. What I have to do in order to have the chocolate in my hand is I have to receive it. I have to say, yes, thank you, and take it from them. Receiving something is, is an active response. So James is calling us to not only just hear the word, but to actively respond to it, to receive it. So how do we do that? Well, when we read through the verses, James gives us four aspects of receiving. Number one is the preparation required to receive. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. That's number one. Number two is the attitude that we are required to receive that thing. We are to humbly accept. Number three is the thing that is received, which is the word planted in you. And number four is the expected result, which is salvation that can save you. So these are the four things, the four steps, if you'd like, or the four aspects of receiving in order for us to receive the word well. And each of these aspects work together to make our reception of the word more fruitful and more productive. They are vital in our active pursuit of a fruitful relationship with God's word. So the first one that we see, the preparation required is to get rid of all moral filth and evil. So why is this so important? Well, in order to explain these aspects to you um, and these things of receiving, I thought I'd use a picture of like a gardener in a garden or um, someone, yeah, planting lawns or something like that. Um, and did you know, I didn't know this, but did you know that you actually have to prepare the soil before you plant the seed? Did, did you know? You, you knew, oh, okay. <laughs> you gotta prepare the soil before you plant the seed. I didn't know that. Um, I would have just, you know, put the seed in there um, and wondered why it didn't grow. But pre preparation of soil is important. It creates an environment in which the seed can sprout, roots can develop, and the plant can grow and flourish. So the first thing that you do when you are preparing soil for planting a seed, maybe you know this, I didn't, so I'm going to tell you anyway, is, is to dig it up and to loosen it. So when we dig it up and we loosen the soil, we can also search it, right? And, and we can get rid of all those you know, rocks and um, weeds, yep, and, and all those other nasty things in there that we don't want in our garden. So loosening, searching, digging it up. 
That's what we want to do to our soil. And if you don't do this, you're going to get hard soil that, that's full of stuff that you don't want. And the seed won't be able to grow. And this is what James is calling us to do in our lives. In order to prepare our hearts to receive the word, we have to get rid of all these things in our lives that will inhibit the word from sprouting and growing and becoming fruitful. We have to get rid of all those things. The thing about sin is that it behaves in a very similar way to weeds in the garden. Um, I, the only real experience I have in gardening is our lawn at, at home. Um, but my plants at home, I wouldn't call that gardening, and most of them are dead. So, um, but, but my lawn at home, when Carlton used to do FIFO work, I used to mow it every now and again and, and weed it and, and do things like that. And I was like, a, ooh. <laughs> but he looks after it now. So I know a little bit about, about lawn care. And the thing that annoyed me the most was the weeds. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it that they had, I guess, the audacity to show up in my lawn. <laughs> but I, I like it so much to the point that I used um, car cleaner once to, to like try and get rid of them. The weed killer wasn't working, so the, but the car cleaner worked really well. So <laughs> would, yeah, that's my little tip for you to, for tonight. Um, car cleaner to get rid of the weeds. But I'd have times, yeah, the lawn would be green and nice of sending Carlton photos, look at how well I'm doing. And then I'd wake up the next day and it was like brown. I'm like, oh, what happened? I'd go out, you know, all the weeds were coming up and, and sprouting. And I, like, they weren't there yesterday. What happened overnight for this, to, for this to occur? So, yeah, get the weed killer out or the car cleaner, whatever it was. You'd do your pressure spray bottle and walk up and down and spray it, and then you get the lawn looking good again. And then it'd come back, you know, it'd rain or something, and then all the weeds would come back, you have to do it all over again. It's a never-ending battle, a never-ending battle. The evil and the filth in our lives, or the, the sin in our lives, is like weeds in a garden, like weeds we can't get rid of. We, we dig out our weeds of filth and evil in one place just to find them growing in another. And, and when we think we've, we've gotten on top of something or we've gotten rid of something, we find it reappearing somewhere else. So our experience then, or our attitude, I suppose, to get rid of this moral filth and evil should look like that of a hard-working, dedicated um, gardener constantly fighting the ever-abounding weeds, living a life with repentance as our weapon, and, and so that our reception of our word can be productive and the soil of our hearts can produce much fruit. Now, many gardeners would sigh over this seemingly losing battle of, of weeds. I know many times I've looked out my window and sighed at the weeds and... Perhaps tonight you are also sighing at the thought of this, this battle that you have on your hands, simply to prepare your heart for receiving the word well. But James doesn't represent this as a lost battle. We are required to present a certain attitude in order to receive the word. 
and that is one of humility. Because when we have humility, then and only then can we fall to our knees in adoration of our King Jesus, knowing that through true repentance of our sin and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this battle is not lost. A heart that is full of pride, which is the opposite of humility, a heart that is full of pride cannot do this. A prideful heart strives to fight this battle on its own. A prideful heart strives to to deal with its own sin on its own and it results in, in weeds taking over your life. But a posture of humility is a temper of spirit that says, I can't prepare this soil well on my own. God, please help me. It is a spirit in which we accept God's dealing with us as good, without dispute. It is a spirit which says a simple yes to what the word teaches and commands. It is a mind that is dispositioned to learn. Ultimately, taking up an attitude of humility is understanding that we can't fight this battle on our own and it is an invitation, an inviting of the Holy Spirit to do that work, to come alongside us, journey with us and do that work in our hearts. And that is the weapon that we have to fight is God. So the third aspect that we see James refer to here is the thing that needs to be received, that being the, um, the word of God. Now this word, and it uses the word implanted, uh, refers to what is actually natural and what is deep-rooted. It can be thought of as God's word being a natural, deep-rooted agent of our new birth and also of our daily growth. In In our picture of a garden that we've been talking about, the word is the planted seed. We said before that a seed that's been planted in unprepared soil dies because it can't grow deep roots because the soil is too hard. But seeds planted in prepared soil can grow deep roots and it then has an opportunity to flourish to its fullness to produce fruit as roots continue to grow deeper into the ground. And and so at our conversion, we were presented outwardly with the gospel, with the message of the gospel. And throughout our life of developing spiritual maturity, we can promote this growth by deepening our roots of the same gospel that we heard. It's no no different message, it's the same gospel. It's not like we take out one seed and plant another one. It's still the same seed. Growth follows as we receive more fully the word of God. And that's why the Bible says to never lose the joy of your salvation because the same gospel that brought you from death to life will continue to grow you into the fullness of salvation. The word of God needs to deepen its roots in your life. And now this brings me to the the fourth aspect that James talks about and he addresses and that's the expected result. The word of God can save us. Jesus came to accomplish total salvation, salvation that can be spoken of as past, future, and present. 
It is past because of the work of salvation was completed by Jesus on the cross. It is future because the full experience of salvation will not be ours until Jesus comes again. But it is also present in that day by day we can experience a greater and greater measure of what has been done for us by Jesus. The power of the word in our life can make salvation a positive reality, a joy daily. Every day we receive the word should provide us with some kind of fresh evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving and working within us, progressively making us whole. So in order to grow our spiritual maturity, we need to develop a fruitful relationship with God's word. And we do that through hearing it and through receiving it. And this is how we receive the word of God. We prepare our hearts with a posture of humility for the implanting word of God which has saved us and will continue to make us whole. The next stage that James speaks of in developing a fruitful relationship with God's word can be found in verses 22 to 25. And they, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We listen to the word, we receive the word, and now James is saying we must also be doers of the word. James also, also presents this as a bit of a, a warning to us as well, that we must take care not to deceive ourselves about needing to be doers. This is important. And to do that, he uses two distinct or two different, sorry, characters um, to make this comparison between those who are doers of the word and those who merely listen and receive. So the first character we see is the man with the mirror. And there are three things this man does. He observes himself, he goes away, and he forgets. And then the second character God uses is uh, a believer with the word. And there are three things a believer does. They look intently, they continue in it and persevere, and they act. And when we put these actions side by side and compare them, this is where it becomes obvious to us what step goes wrong. Where the man in the mirror goes away and forgets, so both, both of them observe themselves well. Both of them observe, look intently, um, consider and reflect, both do that. But the man with the mirror goes away and he forgets. But the believer with the word continues in it, perseveres and acts. This is what makes a difference. It's like if I were to look in the mirror, and tonight maybe, and see a big ugly smudge of dirt across my face. I would probably stand in the mirror, have a good look at it, wonder why it was there, wonder why none of you told me about it while I was up here. 
But I'd look in the mirror and I think, how did that happen? How am I going to clean that? What soap is going to be best for me to use? What moisturiser am I going to put on my face afterwards to protect my delicate skin? Um, all those things, I'd reflect on it, I'd think about it while I, while I was looking in the mirror. But once I did that, I, I put the mirror down and then I go on with my day with that, that smudge still on my face. I've deceived myself because I thought that, that merely looking at it and um, reflecting on it was enough to actually get rid of the smudge on my face. The obvious thing I should have done was put the mirror down and actually clean my face. But just spending that time in the mirror was not enough to get rid of the dirt. If the word of God does not change and transform our thoughts and actions, it is because we have deceived ourselves, thinking that simply observing the word through listening to it and receiving it is enough. And this communicates something really important. And that is devotion to simply listening and receiving the word is of little to no value. Devotion to merely listening and receiving the word without being doers of the word, James is saying here, is of no value. This might sound confusing or, or potentially it's obvious to you, makes sense. However, I think it's actually something that, that a lot of us do, if we're honest with ourselves, do struggle with. We might hear stories like, oh, this morning I spent a really good chunk of time in the Bible. I got a lot out of it. I remember what I read. Uh, I was super focused. It was a great time. I could even tell you what I learned. And James would say to you, well done. But what are you going to do about that? How are you obeying what you have read? Have you actually changed your mind so that the words that, that you now hold to be true are, are, are true for you? Have you and are you continuing to redirect your mind, eyes and thoughts so as to live according to the standards of the word? Are your relationships different? And on and on he would go. And if we're honest, I reckon that for a lot of us, if we had someone in our lives daily asking us these questions, we'd feel pretty convicted. Because I think a lot of us feel that that merely listening to and receiving the word is enough for us. We don't actually have to change anything after we do that. So James uses this picture of a man with a mirror for good reasons. We were created in the image of God. So when we come to the word of God and learn more about who he is, we are also learning more about who we are and who God created us to be. When we look into the Word, which is a book about God, it is almost like holding up a mirror to our own lives. It should cause us to also look intently to ourselves, at our own lives, and to be transformed from that. If we don't do the Word, it's as good as picking up a mirror, spending a good amount of time reflecting on it, and then putting the mirror down and immediately forgetting. So the choice is this. Where the man with the mirror goes away, 
the believer with the Bible perseveres. They continue in its company every day, constantly enjoying a relationship with God's truth and God's law, revealing itself through a gradual yet deep and pervasive matching of lives. And this matching of lives is this growing more and more into the image of God every day and developing spiritual maturity. This is what communion and companionship with God is all about. And, and this is also the blessing that James talks about in verse 25 that we can receive when we, are, when we spiritually mature through a fruitful relationship with God's word. We must not simply be listeners and receivers of the word but be doers of the word in order to, to form a fruitful relationship with the word of God. Now, I just want to add a little disclaimer here. Uh, James is writing this to believers already, people who have already been given new birth. They've already been forgiven fully um, and are loved fully by God. They are not trying to do the word or do works to try and earn any kind of salvation, but simply to, to grow up in faith to go from a learner's license to an open license in their relationship with God. I just wanted to add that because that is important. James is calling us to grow in our spiritual maturity by developing a fruitful relationship with God's word. And we can do this by being hearers, receivers, and doers of the word of God. We don't want to be stuck in infancy, constantly on our learner's license when it comes to a relationship with God. We want to grow up in our faith. We want to continually grow in our likeness of Christ to reflect the nature of Christ, which we are called into and we are called to do when, because we are made in his image. This is the blessing we receive through salvation. We need to, or we get to, sorry, understand and develop a life of fullness here on earth with Christ and the way we're called to do that is by forming fruitful relationship with God's word. Now to, to begin in this, the first thing, or the first step that we need to do is actually to be in the word. Um, we cannot grow in our relationship with the word of God. Uh, we cannot grow in being a hearer or a, or a receiver or a doer if we're not actually in the word to begin with. But apart, apart from that, I don't know tonight which step you might be stuck on or struggling with, whether you are struggling with hearing, with developing an attentive spirit to listen. Maybe you are struggling with or, or stuck on receiving the word. Your heart is in some way hardened. Um, Potentially the evil in your life is stopping the word from, from growing, that seed from sprouting and producing fruit. Maybe you, you're like, I know all this, but, but your heart is actually too prideful to fall on your knees in repentance and to invite the Holy Spirit to do a work within you. Maybe you hear and you receive well, but you're like the man with the mirror who leaves and forgets you struggle to keep yourself accountable to what you've learned. What I do know though, is that we can't do any of this on our own strength. 
It is only because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what he's already done for us on the cross, that any of this is possible. In every step we take in trying to to, um, grow our relationship with Christ and develop our spiritual maturity, we need to be inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts, to walk alongside us. So I want to now, we're going to spend uh, just a little bit of time in prayer as the team come back up. And I want to invite you to, um, I want to invite you to pray. And, and, and as we pray, I'm going to give you some little prompts um, along the way. But yeah, potentially, potentially you're stuck on, on one of these things. Maybe you're actually just completely like, I'm not even there yet. Um, you're, you're still searching. Who is God? Um, you've, you've come with a friend. And yeah, but, but spe- if that's you, spend some time just asking God to reveal himself to you. Um, yeah, spend some time yeah, just searching your own heart. Where are you at? What's going? What's going on? Um, but yeah, when, while we pray, I do want to encourage a, a really open, a real openness, if you can. So let's bow our heads in prayer. I want you to spend some time thanking God for the work that he has done in your life. and ask him to increase your desire to grow in spiritual maturity. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and reveal to you areas in your life that you need to work on or are currently getting in the way of a fruitful relationship with God's Word. Search your heart.